In episode 526, I'm going to be sharing with you seven things that no one tells you about writing a book. I have written five books, Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, The Audible Original Purposeful, and my latest book, Time Magic. And I am so excited to share the five things that no one tells you about writing a book. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, and Time Magic. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. Today, I'm going to share with you seven things that no one tells you about writing a book. Because did you know that 81% of people say that they'd like to write a book one day? That's a lot, isn't it? And maybe it's one of your dreams too. I know as an author of five books now, I get asked a lot of questions about the book writing process. So today, I thought I'd delve into the process a little more because I think it can sometimes seem mysterious or even magical if you haven't gone through it before. But before I start, I think there's an idyllic notion often associated with the act of writing a book. People have this image of an author seated in a cozy home office, effortlessly tapping away at their keyboard with a steaming mug of herbal tea within arm's reach, enjoying every moment of the creative process. However, the truth of writing a book is very different from this idealized snapshot. Writing a book is an adventure filled with peaks and valleys, moments of triumph and doubt and plenty of blood, sweat, and even tears. One thing from that snapshot that is entirely accurate, though, is the tea. Trust me, you'll drink approximately a billion cups of tea, or whatever you choose your beverage is, in the process of bringing a book to life. Now, whether you are toying with the idea of penning your own book, or you're merely intrigued by the backstage secrets of the process, I'm here today to shed light on the less talked about aspects of writing a book. We're going to dive into seven things that no one tells you about crafting a book, lessons that I've picked up along my own journey through trial and error, and I really hope that these insights will provide you a clearer understanding of the often mysterious journey of book writing. Let's dive in. Okay, number one, it takes so much longer than you think. And I say that with so much love because I just don't want you to think that you're going to do it in one week or whatever your time frame is. It does take longer than you think. It's like building a house. Right now we are building our dream home. It takes longer than you think, but that's okay. It's okay. The birth of a book idea can be as quick as a bolt of lightning, an electrifying moment of inspiration. However, Nurturing that spark into a fully-fledged book is a marathon rather than a sprint. Writing a book isn't simply a matter of converting thoughts into written words. It's an extensive journey involving long hours of in-depth research, 
meticulous planning, organizing your thoughts, and of course, drafting and redrafting. And that's just the creative part. Post-manuscript stages include exhausting proofreading, designing the book cover, the actual publication, and then the mammoth task of promoting it. Also, from a publisher's perspective, everything has to happen way in advance. So if you're hoping to get your book published at, say, Christmas time, then you'll likely be handing in your final draft, not a first draft, a final draft, usually a full four to eight months prior to then. So it can seem like a really drawn out process from that perspective too. Now, I've written five books now, Mastering Your Mingle, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, Purposeful, which is available as an Audible exclusive, and Time Magic with Nick. The one that took the longest was, for sure, Time Magic. I think because you're writing with someone else, so you're working with their flow and how they work and sometimes waiting for them to finish something. So that definitely was the one that took the longest. So trust me when I tell you, writing a book isn't a race against time. It's a test of endurance. But let that not deter you. Instead, embrace this journey, savor each step, and remember, patience is an indispensable companion to any writer. Okay, so the second thing that no one really tells you about writing a book is that there are way more people involved than you might think. Writing itself is usually a solitary act. Well, unless you happen to be writing a book with your husband like I was. But the process of turning a manuscript into a published book is a team event. During the writing of the initial draft, you might work with an editor or a book coach or even a creative partner, someone who you can bounce ideas off when you feel stuck. Now, these people can be invaluable and can help you move forwards when you're feeling like it's all too much and a bit overwhelming. Then, once you're finished with your first draft and then you send it off, your book baby will then be passed around to many people from literary agents to editors, proofreaders, cover designers, publishers, marketing teams, and many more. Each individual plays a vital role in molding your manuscript into a book ready for the reader. So writing a book isn't a solo mission. It's a collaborative endeavor that calls for teamwork and continuous communication. I cannot even tell you how many emails were sent Slack comments were made, and how many back and forths it took in our Google Docs to get my books to where they are. So it's all about collaboration. The third thing that no one really tells you about writing a book is that even published authors suffer from imposter syndrome. You know that tiny negative voice in your head, the one that constantly undermines your efforts, whispers that you're not good enough, that you're an imposter, that you've got no right to be writing a book and that no one cares what you have to say, and that no one is going to read it or buy it. You know that voice? Yeah, you know it. You're in a mean girl. We all have one. Don't get me wrong. And you'd be surprised to know that even the most successful authors wrestle with this inner voice and this self-doubt. So whether you want to call it your inner mean girl or your inner critic like I do, what it translates to is a mega dose of imposter syndrome. I've definitely been there too questioning my legitimacy and worth as a writer. But it's essential to understand that every author started somewhere, and it's entirely normal to feel these insecurities. Over time, I've learned that this doubt, this imposter syndrome, 
isn't necessarily the enemy we often perceive it to be. Instead, it can be a useful tool if we learn to harness it correctly. Consider it this way. This imposter syndrome is evidence that you care. So this is how you flip it. It is evidence that you care, that you care about the quality of your work, that you care about your readers. And most importantly, you care about your growth as a writer. If you didn't care, then that would be alarming. Now, these moments of doubt are merely indicators of your passion and commitment towards your craft. The key is to not let these moments cripple you. It's entirely normal to have these insecurities. After all, every author starts from a point of uncertainty. But instead of allowing these doubts to hinder your progress, let them fuel your ambition. Imposter syndrome can be a catalyst for self-improvement if we let it. Each whisper of self-doubt is an opportunity to prove it wrong. For every thought that claims you're not good enough, let your actions say, watch me become better. Each no one cares what you have to say is an invitation to make your voice louder, your words stronger. And for every no one will read what you write, let it motivate you to create a work that is so compelling it cannot be ignored. Remember, as an author, your journey is not just about writing a book. It's about growing, evolving, and constantly challenging yourself. And sometimes the best way to do that is to confront your imposter syndrome head on. It's about using these whispers of doubt as a stepping stone towards becoming a more confident, capable, and resilient writer. And who knows, in the process, you might just create a masterpiece that silences your inner critic once and for all. The fourth thing that no one tells you about writing a book is that creativity is not a constant. You'll have ups and downs and that's okay. It is essential to know that not every day will be brimming with inspiration. There will be days when words seem to resist the page, where even writing a single coherent sentence feels like a Herculean task. There may be long stretches of time where you're grappling with writer's block, and that's okay. It's all part of the process. Embrace these ups and downs. Give yourself breaks when necessary. And just understand that creativity isn't a tap that you can just turn on and off. You have to feel it. I like to think of creativity as a rhythm, like a tide that sometimes comes in and sometimes goes out. Treat the high tide days as a gift, a time to ride the waves of inspiration and let your creativity guide you and get a crap ton of writing done. But remember to respect the low tide days too. These are the times to step back, to rest, to rejuvenate, and not just physically, but also mentally and creatively. On these days, instead of fighting against the current, allow yourself to float. Take a walk, read a book, indulge in one of your favorite hobbies, and maybe put your book down altogether and focus on a different kind of work. Recharge your creative batteries and give your mind the much-needed space to breathe and simply be. You might just find that these breaks help you get twice as much done the next day. The key is to keep coming back to the book regularly. 
Don't not touch your book for a week or a month if you can help it, because then it's so much harder to get started again and to build that momentum. Even just 15 or 20 minutes of writing every single day can help you keep that creative flame burning and give you that all-important feeling of moving forward and having momentum. So I personally absolutely love showing up every single day, even if it is just for half an hour when I'm writing a book, because it's that momentum and that consistency that keeps the inspiration and that creative flame burning. Okay. Number five, the fifth thing that they don't tell you about writing a book, and that is writing can be emotionally draining. One thing people don't often realize about writing a book is that it can be an emotional roller coaster. Writing isn't just about stringing words together to form a sentence, it's about breathing life into your ideas, immersing yourself in your character's world, if you're writing fiction, that is, or sharing parts of your own personal story if you're writing nonfiction like I do. All these can tap deeply into your emotions, and this can be both a rewarding and an emotionally draining experience. And also writing can make you feel really vulnerable because you're putting a part of yourself onto the page that will be read, critiqued, and possibly even judged by others. This emotional exposure can be quite confronting, often more so than people anticipate. For example, when I was working on comparisonitis, There were sections where I had to dig deep into my own experiences with comparison and the impact that it had on my life. Recounting these experiences wasn't always easy. I was sharing stuff about my battles with negative body image, about times where I experienced deep envy and jealousy, and about the long years where I struggled with an eating disorder. It was full on. There were times when I had to take a step back allow myself to process any emotions that were coming up before I could continue. So if you're embarking on a writing journey, be prepared for these emotional ebbs and flows. They're part of the process, but don't let that discourage you. Instead, recognize that these intense feelings signify your deep connection with your work. And that's a truly beautiful thing. Embrace it. Allow yourself the space and time to navigate these emotions and take breaks if you need to. Practice self-care and remember it's okay to seek support from your loved ones or your coach or whoever it is or your writing community or even a professional counselor if the need arises. And just as a random side note, did you also know that writing a book can be physically demanding too? Now, sitting for long periods of time, often in the same position, it can be hard on the body, right? Authors often have to be mindful of their physical health and ensure that they're taking care of their bodies as a writer. So you can do things like standing up or making sure that you're getting up and doing your squats every half an hour or whatever it is for you. Now, if this is you and you're suffering from the effects of sitting in front of your computer all day, some of my favorite hacks are foam rolling and taking regular breaks to go for a walk doing strength exercises for my back and shoulders, yoga, swimming in the ocean, all of those things. I'm also a huge fan of using a stand-up desk. Now, you don't need to buy an expensive contraption, although you can if you want to. I usually just stack a bunch of my books or boxes in the right height, pop my laptop on top and bingo, and voila, I've got myself a standing desk. 
Okay, so let's move on to number six, the sixth thing that they don't tell you about writing a book. When you are writing a book, you cut so much out. Have you ever heard of the phrase, you have to kill your darlings? It's not entirely clear who first came up with this, but I first encountered it in Stephen King's brilliant book on writing. And I'll link to that in the show notes if you have any sort of creative dream. I highly recommend it. Basically, the idea is this. Every writer gets attached to stuff they've written. Whether it's specific scenes or characters or clever phrases that they've come up with. However, these quote-unquote darlings don't always serve the bigger picture. And sometimes they need to be cut out. Yep, it can be heart-wrenching. You've spent time and energy giving life to these parts, but sometimes for the overall book to shine, you have to let go of these fragments. Kill your darlings is not just a saying, it's a powerful practice in any creative pursuit. Now, in Time Magic, Nick and I had written this truly great, powerful section in the longevity chapter where he talked about the longevity of the planet. And it was so good because if you're going to live a long life, you're going to need a planet to be around for a long time, right? So he'd written this incredible section about how our current farming and fishing practices are killing our planet and how some scientists are saying that with our current soil health, there is only around 60 crops left. And it detailed the huge and devastating impacts of climate change on our wildlife and environment. Now, both of us loved this section. Our editor, Jess, loved this section. We were all incredibly passionate about it, and Nick had done a fantastic job writing it. But you know what? It wasn't serving the overall chapter. We were way over our word count, and we needed to make a tough decision. So we had to get rid of that section, which was just so devastating, but... Maybe we'll bring it back out somewhere else. I think we should because it was so good. So that's one example of killing our darlings. I know it wasn't easy for Nick to make that chop that day, but he had to do it and the book was stronger for it. Okay, so on to the final point for today. The seventh thing that nobody realizes about writing a book. Most of the writing is in the rewriting. This is one of the most profound and important truths about writing a book. Most of the writing is in the rewriting. Take a moment to truly absorb that. The reality of writing isn't necessarily about composing a flawless manuscript from the first go, where every sentence and paragraph are perfect from the get-go. Rather, it's about drafting, then redrafting, editing, refining, and polishing until you've carved out a masterpiece from the raw material of your initial draft. So to spell this out really clearly, your initial draft will likely look pretty rough around the edges. In fact, it's very likely that it will be, dare I say, a bit rubbish. And guess what? That's okay. Actually, it's more than okay. It's completely normal. And in fact, it's part of the process. Think about it like this. Imagine you're a sculptor. And the first draft of your book is a big block of marble. This block, in its raw form, might not look like much. It's rough, unshaped, and probably doesn't resemble the vision that you have in your mind. But within that block lies the potential for a masterpiece. 
waiting for the skilled hands of a sculptor, that's you, the writer, to reveal it. I think it's quite a harmful misconception that people have that writing is great from the get-go because it means that if you do sit down to write something and it's not great, you can really start to judge yourself and your inner critic goes into overdrive. But even the most successful, award-winning, Pulitzer Prize-winning authors will tell you first drafts aren't great. Often, they are crapola. But that doesn't matter because most of the writing is in the rewriting. Even though first drafts might be really rough, they serve a crucial purpose. They are the starting point, the raw material from which your book is born. They allow you to kick off the second stage, the rewriting. This is where you pick up your tools, your words, your creativity, your crucial eye, and start chiseling away at the block, refining and reshaping it until it starts resembling the vision in your head. This is when you delve into the narrative, smoothing out inconsistencies, tightening the structure, and sharpening the language. Rewriting can feel a bit like grappling with a puzzle, trying to find the perfect fit for each piece. It takes patience, but this is where the magic happens. This is where your story truly comes to life. So keep chiseling, keep refining, keep reshaping, and keep polishing. With each new draft, your vision will start to appear. And before you know it, you'll be looking at a piece of work that fills you with pride. You'll have moved from rough, formless block to a well-defined, detailed sculpture. Your book, shaped and polished by your efforts, will stand as a testament to your perseverance, your creativity, and your dedication to the craft of writing. And trust me, there's no feeling quite like it. So there you have it, my friends. I hope this episode has given you a deeper insight into the less glamorized, more gritty aspects of the book writing process. I wanted to lift the curtain and debunk some of the myths in order to help you set realistic expectations and hopefully inspire you to take the plunge to start writing your own journey. Remember, writing a book is a journey of self-discovery and self-expression. It is an adventure that demands your courage, resilience, and heaps of determination. It's not always easy, but the rewards, the growth, the sense of accomplishment, and the joy of bringing your ideas to life make every challenge worth it. Finally, writing a book is more than just creating a physical object to hold in your hand. It's about exploring your thoughts, challenging your beliefs, sharing your wisdom, and adding value to the lives of your readers. It's about making a difference. And that, my friend, is an endeavor worthy of your time, energy, and creativity, no matter how many cups of tea it takes. So I truly hope that you loved this episode and that you got a lot out of it. And if you did, please subscribe to the show and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you don't have to go searching for a new episode. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock. 
Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. 